Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How you all doing tonight? I think I better shut this thing off. It's going to continue to play. Okay. Well, we have a special night tonight, our second open mic night. <clears throat> and my son Kyle texted me just a little while ago to let me know that Mike is spelled M-I-C, not M-I-K-E, like my son M-I-K-E. I think I gave him a real belly laugh because he said, you're not going to open up your son, you're opening up the mic. And I told him, I'm a doctor, so you never know. I might be opening something else up. But next time I do this, if we do it again, I'll make it open MIC night. But I think everybody got the picture because I had a picture up there. Anyway, we have a real special night tonight. I'm going to introduce my my um, office assistant, who you guys have been talking to, who also created our website. And I'd like her to talk for a few minutes and let everybody know uh, what new things are happening. And remember that here at the Bioindividualized Medical Center, we really do believe that there's a change in the wind happening now, okay, for everybody with chronic illnesses. Because you guys, I have such respect for because you do, in fact, have faith of the heart and you have strength of the soul. And I really believe that nobody can bend or break you unless, you know, we really let them try. So... Let's uh, give it back to them. I'd like to introduce you to Meg. Uh, when you call, uh, she is my virtual assistant, and she's the one that makes our schedules. And her other talent was building me an entire new website to include an online store. So, Meg, regale everybody yes. with what's new. Oh, um, say hi. Revamp the website. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, let's see. Um, we revamped your original website, kind of started from scratch, and we put a lot of new features up there for your clients to have easier access to scheduling, um, contacting us, making payments, um, seeing your radio show archives, and information about different research, things of that nature. And we put a Meet the Staff page up so people can really see what um, history and talents and credentials the staff have, which I think is important, you know. That so we is took wonderful. That. 
<laughs> we did that, and then you had me open the store. So we connected. I had the you store. build the store. I had you construct it yes. from the floor up. You did. <laughs> then I, you did. And I screamed and yelled at you to make sure it was open by tonight. <laughs> you did. You did. You did. You even yelled at me to make sure my stuff was in there. It was pretty funny. Um, we we created the store, and you gave me a lot of input on what you wanted. And we wanted something that was really fresh and innovative and easy to use. Um, because one thing, from my viewpoint as a chronically ill but healing client of yours, is easy access, easy to read, um, easy to use, not confusing, and not frustrating. So that was our goal, and I think we met it. And, and what is the biggest, the biggest draw of our website, of our uh, online store? Well, I think it has a fabulous mix of products, especially to start with. I mean, it's definitely not fully inventoried yet, but it's true. Um, they promote healing um, with a whole approach. So, it used, you know, if you put the different products together, there's components of holistic and integrative as well as, tra- as traditional medicine, um, like you. When you're conducting consultations, you're kind of like that too. So Thank you. it's nice for it's it's nice for people to have a place to go that's not so massive. You're looking for hours, which I'm not going to mention a name, but you know, online you can go to other places that are just so large. You just don't even know what you're looking at. You don't know if you're getting quality or not. Um, the prices range so dramatically with the same product depending on who you're buying from. So I really like that it. You know, we built it so it's. It's easy for them to get what they need. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Well, I think everybody can tell that you're very, very detail-oriented, okay, which is <laughs> something that I appreciate because I'm a, um, I have a mind like a sieve at times. Uh, to let everybody know that all the products on our online store have been reviewed and approved by myself and Sean, and as best as we could across the board, we gave everybody a 20% discount on the retail price, which, um, you know, we really reduced our, our profit margin so that our patients could get the best at the best price. So, and you made that happen. Um, if uh, anybody, yeah, it's nice. If you go to, uh, if you go to the website, just click on the store button. Okay. Uh, you'll see all the various, um, all the various products. We even have our own GI repair kit and you know, I am about GI repair. Okay, but we decided to put a kit together that um, is consistent with what we've been prescribing for everybody. And presently, it contains a five-ounce uh, vitamin uh, liposomal vitamin C. And uh, very soon, within the next two weeks, we're going to be putting. We have a company that is compounding one uh, for us on a private label, and it's going to be double the amount for the same price. So that is that I'm really excited about. I didn't so, know uh, that. Aha, uh-huh, I keep things from you because <laughs> I have to. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, anybody, this is this is Meg. She is a she's a joy to work with. Okay. She uh you know, sometimes takes OCD to the next level, but that's part and parcel. That was just a joke. But Meg, don't get mad at me. Okay, but you know, she's uh, the exact person. I'm so happy uh, that we're working together. I'm so happy that uh, she has a commitment to 
our patients, our clients, patients. I, I'm a doctor. I use the word patient, okay? Um, and she has the same commitment to our clients slash patients slash customers that I do. And it's one thing that I respect about her the most. Uh, tonight we have, a, like I said, an open mic MIC night. So there's actually a couple of callers who've been waiting. So if it is okay by you, Meg, I'm going to go to the next caller. You can hang out and listen if you want, okay? Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Okay, hang out. I've got somebody coming on now. Okay. Okay, caller from the 248 area code. Are you there? Yes, it's uh, Tom from uh, South Lyon, Michigan. Hi, Tom. How are you? Good. Yourself? This is Dr. Armine, and what uh, what question can I answer for you? Well, roughly about four years ago, I started experiencing, um, I think it's called shelvions uh, on the upper eyelid, on one eye only. And yeah, like I've a fasciculation? It's like a, uh, a very hard acne, maybe eight oh, okay. millimeters up from the eyelid. Underneath mm-hmm. the, uh, it's very painful. Gotcha. And I was being treated for that for roughly about a year. I kept on getting them as recurrent. And at that time, they were also giving me doxycycline, which at a certain point put it under control. Mm-hmm. But once everything was taken care of with the eye, um, Ever since then, I started getting what they call adult-onset acne, acne that is very painful um, under the skin quite a bit and typically just on one side of the face. And I'm trying, I've been trying to get rid of that. So the only thing that I found successful in my search has been like a yeast cleanse. And I'm kind of wondering if the gut is disturbed from the antibiotics that I was taking for a year and a half. Well, you know something, Tom? Your uh, your point is really well taken. Uh, you had uh, antibiotic treatment for uh, the condition with your eye, and then uh, you developed uh, adult-onset acne only on one side of your face. Like, where is it on your face? Is it like uh, from the cheek down, across the cheek, or on top of the head, or the whole thing? It's typically um, one side of the nose, just above the nostril. And it kind of goes along the, um, you'd say where the, uh, the bend would be between your when you make a smile between your cheek and your upper lip, that area. Okay. It's just almost like a direct line right there. Okay, that doesn't remind me of like a shingles, but it does remind me of probably a yeast kind of um, construct because it's in the folds there. And you said that the yeast cleanse, uh, which consists of what? Um, the cleanse that I was taking was a Solaray yeast cleanse. Is it a pill, a course of different... Uh... It's a pill. It's a pill. It's okay. a pill that I, I could double-check and tell you what, it, what ingredients are in there, but it's primarily herbs that mm-hmm. are... Um, yeah. Okay. So you took the yeast cleanse. I think I... Let me just look that up. Um, what? Uh, who makes it? Uh, Renew Solar Life. A, Solar A, gotcha. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Let me just uh let me just pop it up so I can see what's in it. Sometimes when you know what works I always talk to people about following cl- crumbs. Okay? And the way you follow crumbs is you don't argue with the person about what worked. Find out what worked 
and then look at it and say, gee, it's like uh, your yeast cleanse has vitamin C, calcium, magnesium, zinc, caprylic acid, powder arco, grapefruit, seed extract, garlic, tea tree oil, and licorice, all these things that are utilized to kill, um, kill um, yeast. Okay, so it tells you that it's a yeast problem, okay? And so your, your uh, presumption was absolutely correct. So it being a yeast problem, do you think your gut is involved? Almost absolutely. Okay, can you do a bunch of testing? Sure, okay, if you want to waste the money. Uh, but you can also think about doing a, um, a GI repair program. Uh, but if I were you, can say, how long have you had this, Tom? Oh, uh, roughly oh. about two and a half years, two years, okay. two and a half. Given the fact that it's been a couple of years old, it might be worth doing a um, stool test, maybe from Genova or Great Plains Laboratory, to see who's residing in your gut, okay? Uh, and it's not good enough just to know that it's yeast. It is... Um, better to know the yeast and what it's sensitive to because if you've been using the yeast cleanse it goes away and it keeps coming back, that tells you something, okay? Uh, and one of the greatest ways that you can decrease inflammation in the body and stop this kind of thing from happening is by primarily, by intention, repairing the gastrointestinal tract. Okay, that's why we put our GI kit together, but it's a generalized kit. It's not made to kill anything, but just restore the gut to its former, you know, normalcy, which means giving it its um, mucus layer, you know, giving it enough uh, phospholipids to heal the cells, uh, a bunch of vitamin C to start curing almost anything because I really have it up there, and then the proper balance of probiotics with uh, Saccharomyces boulardii in it so that the yeast can be pulled out. This is, can be used in um, conjunction with um, <clears throat> any kind of yeast program you're doing. But uh, do I think that your gut is involved? Yeah. Do I think that, um, that it's, this is a yeast problem? Well, you're describing it very well. Okay, the steps that you might want to take with your health care provider is perhaps identifying exactly who's residing in your gut. This way you can balance correctly, okay, and not, it's not that you're guessing. It's just, you know, that at this point, you know, you can just one thing after another after another, and you'll be spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars until you hit the right combination, okay? Uh, do you have any other symptoms besides this, any other kind of health problems? Uh, primarily, I mean, obviously you'd have uh, gas with it, um, and then probably inflammation that's appearing in one of the ankles, or okay. every now and then. Um, when you have a lot of gas, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Okay, when you have a lot of gas, you know, that is often yeast and can also be a gallbladder issue, okay? If you're having swelling, okay, it's really, really a good idea to try and fix the gut at this stage because what ends up happening, uh, I have some questions that were emailed to me, and, they're talk and these questions have to do with, you know, uh, things like POTS, disordinary POTS, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, uh, different autoimmune diseases, um, and my opinion, my opinion from research, okay, is that the chronic inflammation that occurs from this kind of snowball effect that occurs when you get your gut 
uh, when you have dysbiosis in the gut, can build and build and feed on itself and build and build and build and feed on itself, and then you start getting immune upregulation, so that means like allergies and stuff like that, then immune dysregulation, which can lead to autoimmune diseases, and then that just continues with more and more dysfunction. So if you can get it at the early end of it, okay, you're doing pretty good because at the other end is when you have to start using IVs and so forth to kind of, if you will, uh, reverse engineer the disease, okay? The image I give to everybody is that most people, think of a bell curve and uh, the median or mean being, being normal. You get about one standard deviation, two standard deviations out, your normal homeostatic mechanisms will bring you back to normal. You get three or four or five standard deviations out, then you kind of need some intervention, just like the GI repair kit or whatever you're using. But you go farther than that, it becomes harder and harder to bring that physiology back towards the middle where normal homeostasis will actually heal that body. So are you correct that it's yeast? Yep. Okay, I would, I would take a good, you know, I'm not diagnosing, but I, can, I would take a good... Um, that's a good guess. It's a good, it's a good call. Okay, would I work on the gut primarily? Yep. Okay, would I try and find out who's residing inside me? Yep. Okay, uh, and if there's any other kind of problems, uh, then you work with a healthcare provider to kind of understand and figure out what the other root causes of the diseases are. Okay. Did I talk? That's okay. Not, that makes sense to me. All right, I'll my friend. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> And we have some nice person in the 541 area code. This is Dr. Jess. Can I help you? Hey, Dr. Jess. It's Joe Colin. Uh, we had you Skype into our Lyme support group. Um, oh, how you doing, Joe? Back. Good, good. Yes, so um, right? And, yeah, um, I just um, had sent off uh, to get uh, results back from a hair and urine amino and urine heavy metals. And I was just curious to know, if you ever use those lab tests to determine, you know, how people are excreting heavy or pulling, getting the heavy metals out of their body. Okay. Uh, repeat the question again, buddy. Oh, um, if you ever use the um, hair analysis um, for heavy metals and then urine heavy metals and urine aminos to kind of determine how the patient is dealing with um, excreting heavy metals and dealing with that? You know, you're asking a really, really, really good question, and there's always been a little controversy in that. <clears throat> when I first started practice in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know, <laughs> you know, we didn't even have lab tests and we had stone knives and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, we used to do hair analysis, and uh, we'd look at the, the heavy metals in there and then go crazy. Oh, my God, this person's got so much heavy metal burden. And then you start realizing that the people who had the normal tests are the ones who were the sickest. So we all scratched our heads collectively. I used to have hair at the time. I don't anymore. <laughs> and um, we found out that, the, that what we were looking at was the excretors, people who were actually excreting the metals. So you said which to, is a good said thing. Yourself, which is a good thing, exactly. So I said, gee, <laughs> how now, brown cow? Okay. And then... Uh, the next permutation was to use urine, and you would take a urine test, and then you would give them a chelating agent, okay, like DMSA or, you know, one of the uh, EDTAs or DMPS, whatever. 
uh, and then do another urine test after a period of time. And the theory was that you were pulling metals out and you would look at it and who, whatever the larger me- largest amount of metal is, that's the one that you had the burden. Okay, that may be causing a burden. But then, of course, I had to question everything, <laughs> which is my typical thing to do. And, um, you know, if you're pulling, if you have a lot of lead, let's, let's just talk lead because it's fairly ubiquitous, it gets into your body uh, about, I may be a little bit light on the statistics here on the numbers, but a significant a portion of it gets stored in your bone. Okay, once it gets stored in your bone, it's really kind of sitting there, okay? And it's not doing much. Uh, And then it excretes uh, through other mechanisms. Now, the reason that that perimenopausal women or menopausal women start getting lead problems is because if they've had a lot of lead burden throughout their lives, okay, and it's been stored in the bone, as soon as they start getting a little osteoporotic, which with that process is the osteoclasts that break down bone continue working when the osteoblasts that build bone aren't working as well, you start releasing all that that lead, okay? And that's when you start seeing the lead problems. The question remains is uh, what do you do do with the information, okay? And I always go back to what symptomatology is the patient showing and are they well enough – to do a chelation, some kind of chelation, because chelation, my friend, is not a benign entity. When you chelate somebody, you're pulling out not only the heavy metals, but all the minerals. So lots of times they'll do oral chelation, and then they'll have you try and replace it over a whole week before they do it again. I've never seen chelation... Well, maybe I have once or twice, but in the vast majority, I've never seen chelation. I've not seen chelation work the miracles that they say it does. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because I see a certain subset of people. But um, I don't know that that information is as solid as people would like it to be. Uh, I would say I would say that if there's a um, a suspicion that heavy metals are involved, I would try and strengthen the body as much as I could, okay, fixing the gut, you know, supporting the immune system before I did any form of chelation, okay, because you're going to put another very big burden. It's sort of like the mercury and the amalgams in the mouth. Okay. Right, yeah, they I still tell have you, those. <clears throat> they tell you go to a biological dentist? Yeah. Biological dentists are very cool. Okay, they use dams, they, and they say the word dam a lot. You know, they, uh, they, they use this, that, and the other thing. But it doesn't matter how well you protect that person. When you start drilling out those amalgams, you're going to get a blast of mercury. Because what your body is used to is every time you talk and bang your teeth together, you get this little poof of uh, mercury right. gas. Okay? Yeah, so it's used to a certain idea. amount. Yeah. It's a high, it's, they're used to a, your body and your detoxification system is used to X amount of mercury per day. Okay? And you're going to overload that really fast no matter what you do. So if you were going to do something like that or you're going to detox in any manner, you'd want to get your detox pathways as open, strong, whatever word you want to use as you can. Make sure you're pumping good glutathione out. Make sure you're... Um, 
your electron transport chain, your mitochondria work. In other words, get yourself as healthy as you can before you attack this burden, okay? If you believe that it is a burden, I have my doubts, okay? But that's between you and your healthcare. uh, Oh, you're saying that, um, you know, there's people out there who have, you know, probably perfectly good SNPs, and um, they can deal with having mercury in their teeth just because they're naturally detoxing it at the same rate that it's off-gassing. Yes. And so it's, okay, well, that's what exactly. I was wondering that, about. That's, that's what happens all the time anyway. It's when you start adding to it. You see, some, some procedures that we end up doing in the name of detoxification and creating health actually puts more of a burden on the body. Okay, and, we, and you have to be real, real careful about that. Uh, you go to the ACAM doctors, they're talking chelation all the time because that's the way they were trained. Okay, and um, I don't know that chelation is necessarily uh, good for everybody. If I want to gently chelate somebody, I'll ask them to take a handful of organic parsley or cilantro every day. Okay, that will get your heavy metals. That'll take about a year, but it'll start pulling out the heavy metals. You want to make sure that your detox pathways are working, and if you don't have any SNFs, they still can be overburdened. But if you have SNFs, they can be overburdened a little bit easier. So it's, right. a, it's a judgment call that you and, your, um, you and your healthcare provider have to make together. And um, if you're going to somebody that has a bent one way or another, like you know, all he's got is this you know, set of IV tables and he chelates everybody, you might want to not you know, take his word for it and <laughs> go to get, get another opinion. Okay, but right. I just saw this. Yeah, I just saw this little blurb about the COMT SNP um, and modified mercury neurotoxicity in children, um, and I happen to have the uh, COMT V158M as homozygous, and it talks about how that SNP um, uh, you have neurobehavior functions associated with mercury exposure among children, and obviously probably among adults. Mm-hmm. Um, principally boys, and so it's just interesting that there are SNPs related to you know specific heavy well, me- metal there issues. Well, there are SNPs uh, that are related to how those heavy metals affect the brain. Okay, and if they're right. pumping, if those heavy metals create a lot of excitatory neurotransmitters or catecholamines, if you have uh, COMT SNPs or the MAOA SNP, you're not going to um, conjugate those neurotransmitters as well as somebody without the SNFs will. And uh, that will cause what I like to call a backup. And then that excitation, or whatever you want to call it, starts going through other pathways that create other symptoms, depending on things like your GAD SNFs and so forth. Uh, if people forget about what, what mercury does, just remember the Mad Hatter. Okay, the Mad Hatter, the reason Hatters went crazy was because they used to cure the leather on the inside of the hat with a mercury um, vapor. Vapors, they, would yeah. boil mercury, they would boil mercury to do that. Also, uh, old-time um, photographers okay, used to use mercury to get the image to come out on a plate. Okay, that will get into your brain and start making your brain into Swiss cheese. Okay, but, you know, there's a lot of heavy metals we have to deal with. We do have detoxification mechanisms that do take care of them. Sometimes I think it's safer to deal with the detoxification mechanisms than it is to force the metals out. That's right. Just, and that's a judgment call. Right. Have you heard of this uh, Chris Shea? I think he's out of Colorado, Quicksilver. 
uh, research or something like that. He he has like his PhD in you know heavy metal science in the body, and uh, he's done a lot of research on the issue of um, like mercury and lead and other heavy metals. I, I haven't heard of him particularly. Uh, again, you know, I don't claim to know everything. I know a lot of things, and I don't have an ego. So when somebody gives me information, I go through it and I try and put it into the. I try and look at the middle ground at all times, and uh, right. Not take anything as a panacea. And remembering that PhDs, when they do their research, they get very, very passionate. And you take that information and put it into the great scheme of things. Okay, and that's the way it should be utilized. And you, right. you know, right. if they have a new procedure, you wait and see how people respond to the procedure before you recommend it for somebody. Right, and Dr. Jess, I don't want you to take away if you have other people on the line. I was just trying to still understand the concept of methylation in the sense of you know, you have a mutation or a variant with a SNP, and that methylation will stop the expressing of that SNP. And, and okay, I'm still remember, trying to wrap my head. Okay, it, it's because you're trying. Well, one. Remember when I spoke with your group, and then I did. Um, I did a couple of podcasts. Okay, one of the ways of of remembering this is that a SNP is not um, a SNP is not an indicator that you're sick. A lack of a SNP is not an indicator that you're well. What you are is looking at pathways. Okay, so think of the pet. It's like when people say, what should I do about MTHFR? And I look at them, and I try not to, I try not to be uh, snippy. Oh, my God, that's a, uh, no one <laughs> intended, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I try not to be, but I'm like, you know, come on, guys. MTHFR is one enzyme in this sea of enzymes. Why are you worried about this one enzyme by itself? Okay, you've got to look right. at it in, in, in combination. So if you look at the whole pathway, even if you don't know what it does, okay, you remember that the greens or the, the negatives are like an eight-lane highway, the yellows or the heterozygous are like a four-lane highway, and the reds or the homozygous are like a two-lane highway. So okay. you were born like this. If you don't have heavy traffic going through, you're not going to have any problems. Okay, I, I had a conversation with a lady today who was so worried about her MTHFR. I, I declined her as a patient because I said, you're not ill. You know, why are you worried about this? Okay, you're methylating huh. just fine. Okay, so what you look for is if you're ill, if you have symptoms, do they correlate right. with the uh, biochemical pathways that you suspect might be compromised because of heavy traffic, which means things like inflammation, so forth and so on. And to make a really, really good example, take it away from methylation, it's a little hard to understand. Okay, we'll look at the uh, mitochondria and the creation of ATP through the electron transport chain. Uh, there's uh, a lot of studies out there that show that if you have a lot of polymorphisms in complex one and complex three, but mostly complex one, that can get blocked up by... Now, which one is this, the complex one and three you speak of? In the, in the mitochondria, the creation of ATP, which is your energy source, okay, right. means that you have to take the, the products of the Krebs cycle okay, which is NADH and FADH2, and put them through that particular pathway in the mitochondria. 
And, right. and when you the, talk about the mitochondria, are you talking about a certain SNP that's related to this, or no? This there is are several SNPs. No, I'm, I'm, doing a, I'm doing a completely different system to make an example because it's a shorter gotcha. system. Okay. So now we have, you know, a um, mitochondria that has no SNPs. Okay, and those electron donors can sail right through that system and create your energy. This kind of person usually has no problems. But right. now you have the person who's got homozygous SNPs, and let's say the first complex, and maybe the third complex, but let's just talk the first complex, and then they start developing a lot of inflammation or problems. It can get, now, you're looking, now that you're looking at it, you can say, boy, that can be an area where that person can block up, get you know stuck or whatever. And what usually happens there is that glutathione, when it gets used up, becomes oxidized and can get stuck in that two-lane highway, that, that homozygous area in the, in the first complex and not allow <clears throat> the electron donors to get in. So it blocks, relatively speaking, the amount of energy you can produce. Therefore, yeah, I mean, that's you can't my... heal. Right. You can't heal. You can't detox because you don't have enough ATP. You have enough ATP to live, but it's not, not a nice life. Now, we're talking about mitochondrial dysfunction, not mitochondrial disease. Same thing in the methylation pathway. You can have all the polymorphisms you want. Okay? What you have to concentrate on is the body itself and healing what the issues are. In other words, finding, finding where the dysfunction is, okay, and healing the dysfunction, and then, believe it or not, the pathways will clear up themselves. Even in my Floxy patients, okay, one of the reasons we discovered that this could be done was the very first interview we did with a bunch of Floxies on, on THFRsupport.com, and I, we were getting the impression that some people resolved on their own. And that, was, that wasn't supposed to happen. And why, the reason that they could do that was they started eating organically, they didn't get refloxed, they started cleaning up their act, and guess what? The pathways started rebuilding themselves because there was no longer an assault on them. It took an average of five years, so all we had to do is say, gee, let's kind of copy what's going on, figure out what each part is doing, and maybe we can bring that down to five months. Okay, because okay. the fluoroquinolones are nasty, as you well know. Okay, Lyme does the same thing. You have to go after the Lyme, but you have to go after what the Lyme does to the body because what the Lyme does to the body is what is expressed wow. via the, um, via the uh, biochemical pathways. Okay, so it's not sufficient to look at the SNPs, look at the polymorphisms and say, let's treat that. That is the wrong okay. way to treat things. Okay, and that okay, includes... Well, yeah. Right. I just um, uh, am going to luck out here because I, okay, I'm sure guy. you know Dr. I'm bending your ear. <laughs> oh, no. Um, Dr. Inuyasha is actually going to review my, those, um, the aminos and the heavy metals and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, whatever sure. she'll respond give me, back to. Give me a screen when he does if you need a second opinion, okay? Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, All right, buddy. Dr. Jones. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. All right, people, I have a couple of questions here uh, on, the, on the chat, so I'm going to read them. And it ah. says, I have, no? Okay. I have a question concerning vaccines and anti-malaria drugs for teens traveling to 
third world countries for mission work. What vaccines, if any, would you recommend them getting? Uh, what about anti-malaria drugs? Uh, most of them are quinine-based. Are there any other drugs or natural things to take besides quinine? Uh, let me go a little further down. And um, Okay, that's a different one. Okay, um, unfortunately, on a radio show, <laughs> I can't recommend uh, which drugs would be better. I do know that <clears throat> going into various countries, your probability of getting uh, things like malaria, things like parasites are much higher. And um, many countries won't let you in unless you've had whatever vaccines they say you're supposed to have. And I do know that the anti-malaria drugs are um, nasty. They make you sick. Okay. Uh, are there any... Um, are there any natural natural um no i don't know i don't know if there's any anything that you could do naturally that would be acceptable to the people that um you're having to interact with okay i think they're going to insist that you take one of a number of these drugs so um, this is something i'd have to go look up uh but Right off the bat, I know that if you have uh, any floxing in your family and you have that um, that particular genetic pathway, taking quinine drugs and it's kind of asking for it actually. Uh, missionary work is beautiful. Uh, sometimes, um, if having to take the medicines is uh, difficult, uh, maybe different kinds of missionary work would be, um, you know, uh, like maybe here in the United States or something to that effect. Uh, the other question was uh, from a younger lady who has struggled with back acne for years, and there can any be, anything be done for that. Uh, she's on a clean diet, still has problems. Most effective thing so far is being in the sun. Okay, people. So what does that tell you? Okay, being in the sun raises your vitamin D, okay, um, helps uh, the uh, skin heal. Okay, and um, maybe her vitamin D level needs to be attended to. Uh, apple, cider, apple cider vinegar does help to dry it, but what can you do to prevent it? Well, start looking for the causes of it, and the way you can look at the cause is by seeing what fix it, fixes it. And um, if being in the sun does that, you kind of think about vitamin A and vitamin D. Okay, vitamin, uh, if you ever wonder why you have A and D ointment, Okay, why you put that on skin lesions? Because that's what skin cells use to hold themselves together. Okay, A and D, A, vitamin A and vitamin D. They hold the cells together like kids at a college game. So uh, this person might have difficulty absorbing uh, the um, fat-soluble vitamins, uh, in which case uh, probably taking some ox bile might be helpful. Okay, or you can get the vitamins in a mycelized forms. Mycelized means that they're pre-digested and ready to be digested uh, by the body. And that would be how one would prevent it because that seems to be maybe what the cause is. If uh, you went to a dermatologist, you could get a, you know, a culture of any fluid that may come out and that may give you an idea of what the, if it is an infection of some sort. Okay, and um, that would be worth doing. But right off the bat... Um, I would probably look towards the vitamin A and vitamin D. And we have another caller. 
Hi. My name is Hi. Pam. Hi, and Pam. How I are you? A, I'm good. How are you? I'm having a grand time. I'm having a good, good. time tonight, but I'm talking people's ears off. So, <laughs> well, you're getting lots of Go questions ahead asked. Go ahead and ask your question and get ready. <laughs> okay. My question is about being floxed. And um, I took Cipro, which I believe is a... Fluoroquinolone, yes. Yeah, fluoroquinolone. And I took it years ago, and I took it for, I believe I took two rounds of it for H. pylori. It was diagnosed, or, or I, bleh, I was asked to take <laughs> it for that. And what I want to know is, can, would you have noticed side effects um, immediately, or could they be delayed if you had been floxed or had an issue with it? Well, Pam, you ask an incredibly good question. Um, as as you may know, that uh, the floxies are um, are very near and dear to my heart. Um, I and Sean and and my group, my my friends who I who I work with, have taken up their cause, and we've done, I believe, very very good work. We've learned a lot of stuff. And here's here's some of the things I have learned that I'll share with you all right now. And I mean, uh, you know that you all you all is um is actually proper English. It's the plural I think it of you. is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my son Jesse, the grammar Nazi, told me that it's proper English. But he does tell me that all y'all is not the plural of y'all. So, you know, what can I say? Anyway, yeah, he, like, he'll lecture me for hours if I, make, if I make a mistake. I'm like, oh, my God, Jess, let it go. He says, but you're not being exact. I'm like, let it go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The, um, the, the person who's been floxed by any of the fluoroquinolone antibiotics and and people understand that other antibiotics can do the same thing okay i've seen recently two or three other antibiotics giving the same syndrome because of the way the genetics are if we 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 did get it that about 100 floxies and put the 23 and me's up and put then and and um an individual, Julie, who was very kind and did a lot of work, uh, put them on a big spreadsheet, we could see where the commonalities were. And uh, they tended to go into one of two directions, either more musculoskeletal or more into chronic fatigue, their neuropsychiatric, and so forth. For reasons that are not clear, some people take one pill and get destroyed immediately. Some people take one course of Cipro and then a year later take another course and crash then. Some people start showing symptoms many years later, okay, and then they end up talking to somebody like me. And I'll, I'll give an example of a, of a gentleman who um, was a physician and he needed to stop being a physician. And I spoke with him and during the history I asked him, you know, I always take a history from kind of birth on out. And um, when I, when he was telling me his whole story about you know the various uh, feelings and neuropathies and yada yada yada, I said, when did this all start? Let's go back and say, when did this all start? He, and he said, point 1993. Okay, and I said, well, what happened in 1993? Well, he had three things occur. One of them was an infection that was treated with six months of Cipro. Now this is 1993. Now I'm talking to him in 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. And no one had picked up the fact that everything started going south after that. Not directly after it, but if you looked at it in a timeline, everything really started going south with this man after 1993. And, it was direct, and, and I told him, I said, you're a poster child for the, for the, for the FQ toxicity. 
So unfortunately, it can be delayed. It can be immediate. There's no rhyme or reason, okay, that I can give you. I can't point at a gene and say, yes, I can usually look at a 23andMe and, uh, that's been run through either LiveWello or MTHFRsupport.com's uh, Sterling's app and kind of see a pattern and say, boy, that's a flopsy pattern. If you're going to you know, be offered a, um, for, uh, an antibiotic and it's a fluoroquinolone, that you should ask the prescriber if there's another option for you because you have a higher probability of getting uh, fluoroquinolone toxicity. But um, it can happen either way, and yes, it can happen much later and then be set off by other antibiotics or other drugs. Hmm. Stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I just... No. Um, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You were about to say something. Well, I was just wondering because I'd never even given this any kind of thought until I started doing some research, and my my issues and i'm not even 100% sure what what kind of symptoms floxies exhibit i mean it does sound like it's you're saying muscular skeletal or um, it can be but i'll give you another i'll give you another visual in a second go ahead because my a lot of my issues are peripheral neuropathies mm-hmm. um and and muscle muscle skeletal issues as mm-hmm. well as well as some fatigue, you know, which can be a lot of different things. And um, I was just going back through some records not too long ago and saw where I had taken Cipro, and I recall that mm-hmm. she, she'd given me one round of treatment, and I, I think, I can't remember for whatever reason, um, she insisted that I do it a second time, that perhaps she'd missed, I think maybe she'd, had only given me two drugs out of three, and she really wanted me to take three. So I'd had Cipro twice, and that's when I went, whoa, I wonder if that has anything to do with my issues, because it didn't immediately. I mean, I didn't notice any issues immediately, mm-hmm. but it was around that time that I started going downhill. Well, here's a, here's, here's a, you, make, you make a very good segue into the real problem, Okay. Um, regardless of the initiation or what caused it, what we're talking about is chronic inflammation, okay? And uh, specifically, if you know the origin, it's helpful because you can kind of hedge towards different things that might be hurting the person, but uh, what these things cause is um, chronic inflammation, which chronic fatigue can result, but chronic fatigue can be so many different things like thyroid, autoimmune diseases which come from chronic inflammation, uh, Lyme, uh, chronic strep, uh, chronic viral infections, and on and on and on and on and on. Okay, your peripheral neuropathies can be diabetic in origin. Okay, can be a lack of B12 and that can be a methylation issue. Okay, could be, um, you know, again, chronic inflammation from a lot of different sources. Okay, and that can uh, fall into with the musculoskeletal stuff because what happens with floxies is that the vitamin C cannot get into their tissues. So in fact, that they have an intracellular scurvy, and your collective tissue, your connective tissue, I'm sorry, um, is hold on, hold on a second, if you would. There we go. Are you there? I'm there. Pam. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The connective tissue 
requires vitamin C to change proline to hydroxyproline. Think of it this way. Think of proline as twine, okay, and hydroxyproline as steel cable. It's not exact like this, but it gives you a good idea. If you didn't have your vitamin C, you'd be building your connective tissue with twine, which is going to fray and break. And as it frays easily, you're going to get inflammation because you got a lot of, you know, microfractures and injury, and you've heard of phylloxies, you know, having so much problems there that sometimes the tendons will pull right off the bone, okay? And the use of intravenous vitamin C or liposomal vitamin C gets that vitamin C back into the tissues, okay, so the body can utilize it. And of course, vitamin C is used for many, many, many other things, okay? It's one of the biggest um, adaptogens that we have available to us, and thereby one of the biggest weapons against chronic illness. But... If you look at it from the point of view of, hey, I've got chronic inflammation, let's start looking for the sources of it, okay? The Cipro certainly does certain things to the body, but if you say to yourself that you're a phloxy and you've got fluoroquinolone toxicity, in your mind you're saying, can't do anything about it, okay? Uh, so you're making it incurable. But if you say you have chronic inflammation, and I've been driving this into people since I started this blog, it means that you can possibly fix it. And that's the route that we take, okay, by fixing chronic inflammation. That's why we start with the gut, because that's the great creator of inflammation. And then you work looking for the various, uh, either dysbioses in the gut, chronic viral, uh, you know, Lyme, that kind of stuff. You try and fix everything that causes inflammation, which is what you're doing is fixing what the, what the fluoroquinolone did to you. Same thing with Lyme patients. You ever, you ever notice the Lyme patients go to, keep going back to the Lyme literate doctor because they keep getting the same symptoms? You know, and mm -hmm. guess what? It's not because they're getting reinfected. It's because no one ever fixed what the Lyme did to their body. So any stressor that the body faces starts showing the same symptoms because that's the path of least resistance. But the person says, oh, this must be the Lyme. So they keep trying to kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug, but they never get any better. They only make themselves worse by continuing to injure themselves with the antibiotics. And if they bother to look at fixing the body, they get a much, much better result. Sean works with a Lyme literate doctor here in New Jersey, not here in New Jersey, it's the next state over. And um, what he does with hers, and she's a very brilliant doctor, is he will fix, she sends her patients to him to fix the neurotransmitters, work on the gut and so forth. In other words, get them healthier, and then they respond to the uh, treatment for the Lyme much better. And I, and I don't have statistics in front of me, but I do know from his conversations that their outcome measures have improved dramatically by doing both ends, by treating the bug and treating what the bug did to the body. So uh, all is not lost because you've been exposed to Cipro. All is not lost by any means. Okay. Great. <laughs> Good to know. Thank you very much. I appreciate You're it. You're most welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. So as Groucho Marx would say on You Bet Your Life, here we are once again. Okay. How you doing, everybody? And those are some really, really, really good questions. Uh, I did have... Another question that was asked uh, earlier tonight, and uh, I think we've already addressed it, but I'm going to address it anyway. Uh, this nurse uh, works in an office, and she was asking whether it was important that they have all the SNPs instead of just the MTHFR. Okay, 
I think we answered that, that you really do need to have a full view of the biochemical pathways and a healthcare provider that can, in fact, interpret it and understand not only what the SNPs mean, but uh, what's going on in your body. That's why we created bioindividualized medicine. It's really a, a kind of a paradigm that forces healthcare providers to look at things not in algorithms, which is unfortunately how things are taught today. It makes, it makes the healthcare provider look at neurology, endocrinology, and immunology because they talk to one another, those three systems. It makes them look at the mitochondria as an entity and fix it on purpose and look at the cell wall stability or cell wall integrity, which is the phospholipid bilayer that um, I did an entire show on, because guess what? If you have a leaky cell, it's not going to work. Okay, your body won't work. How do we know that? If you get a cell or it does something, you get a bunch of cells together, what do you call that? A tissue. Okay, you get a bunch of tissues coming, coming together that do the same, that work together, you call it an organ. Okay, you get a bunch of organs that come together. I know you have a symphony. No. <laughs> you have um, a body. Okay, so what happens at the cellular level happens throughout the whole body. And you have to look at that cell wall. There's ways of testing for it. There's ways of uh, fixing it. And uh, we wanted people to look at it by intention. And, of course, epigenetics, the genetics that we're all looking at, are guideposts. They're to be taken seriously, but they should be taken in context with everything else. I know I'm speaking sacrilege to some people, but I'm a big guy. If you want to come after me, you better bring your lunch because it's going to take you all day. All right? But the epigenetics are truly guideposts that can help you theorize and say, hmm, this is what wouldn't be working on this person under these conditions. Okay, and it helps you heal people that much quicker. And we have another caller. Hi, caller from the 610 area code. Hi, this is Dr. Armand. Hi, Hi, Dr. Armand. This is Fran. I'm calling um, about vitamins and the, uh, in researching them. Uh, there's so many different ones. You have the ones that you can only buy at the nature store that are vegetarian. And then you've now started your vitamins and then you have you go to any of the Rite Aids, the grocery stores, they all have their brands. How how do we know what is the best way for us to go where even like a multiple vitamin is concerned? Wow. You know something I think that's one of the best questions of the night because it's practical and it needs it needs to be um it needs to be addressed. Uh, first off, uh, there's a lot of liter- there's a lot of uh, press right now where the FDA is saying you don't need uh, high levels of vitamins. Okay, well you see that happening once in a while because let's face it, they don't want um, they don't want you taking vitamins. They want you taking drugs. So let's let's ignore uh, the the cyclical screaming that the FDA does about high dose high doses of vitamins because that's just nonsense. Okay, uh, two. What are vitamins and what are minerals? Vitamins are coenzymes. In other words, they're the, the things that help the enzymes work and uh, create biochemical processes, and minerals tend to be cofactors. Okay, you know that we have trace minerals. The one that we need the most of is calcium. 
okay? And uh, that means you need about 800 to 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day. Hardly a trace mineral, but we need it for a lot of different processes. We need zinc. We need all kinds of different things. The question I'm often asked is, which product should I buy? Okay, because we have men's vitamins, women's vitamins, we have natural vitamins, we have whole vitamins, we have this and we have that, and we have, oh, my God, who knows what to do? Okay, well, here's, here's some information that uh, it may be a little disjointed because, uh, you, you know, I, I haven't had time to, you know, actually put this down on paper. But when you're looking at a vitamin, you always have to realize that vitamins are not uh, – are not exposed to the same testing that drugs are. So nobody does bioavailability studies. So you have to look at the forms of the vitamin. So let's take iron. Ferrous fumarate will get absorbed because when ferrous fumarate hits the uh, hydrochloric acid, the ferrous portion, the iron portion, will get released, and you can absorb that. Um, calcium carbonate, which is very, very common, does not get absorbed very well. Why? Because when you put calcium carbonate, Tums, Rolades, and the like, into hydrochloric acid, you get the bicarbonate ion, which neutralizes the acid, which is the purpose of it, and you get calcium chloride, which is a rock. In other words, that is limestone. And in chemistry, when something forms a stronger bond, it's going to hold on to the ions real, real strong. Okay? So you're not going to get a lot of calcium running around that can be absorbed when you take calcium carbonate. Okay, number one, because you're creating calcium chloride. Number two, because it has to be absorbed in an um, acidic environment and the bicarbonate is neutralizing the environment. Okay, so the form of the vitamins, the binders, the incipients, all these things that put the vitamin together become important. And you know something? Unless you study this, you're not going to know. Okay, so what's the best thing to do? Is go buy the company or the lab that's making them. I can make a vitamin. I can call up a compounding lab or compounding pharmacy, say, I want a multivitamin. They'll say, sure, what do you want in it? And I'll tell them. They'll say, you want to go, you, you go cheap, you want to go expensive. Okay, and they can, they can put the cheapest stuff in there that gets very poorly absorbed and the minimal amount, okay, compound it up for you. You give the money, they'll give you the vitamins. Uh, so the lab that you get it from, the reputation of the lab, is probably the most important thing. And I'll give you guys a, a, an idea of which labs or which companies make the best vitamins. Second thing you have to look at, don't be fooled. Well, here's another soapbox. Don't be fooled by men's vitamins, women's vitamins, children's vitamins, okay? Uh, that is the vitamin company's way of getting you to buy three and four bottles of something instead of one. Uh, in the men's and women's vitamins, there is not enough of anything male or female, black cohosh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, to make a difference. Okay, not that you should take women's vitamins, just that, you know, you really should take just a good multivitamin, multimineral that's absorbable. Children's vitamins, um, it's a matter of how you can get them, get it into them, okay? But a lot of the gummies have B vitamins and maybe some A and so forth, but they, they lack trace minerals. And what children need are good amount of vitamins, good amount of minerals, and essential fatty acids so that their brains can form correctly, okay? And getting the, the proper vitamins into them can be a little tough. So... Who do you believe? 
Okay. The other, the other thing you should look for is look at the label at the percent daily value, the percent DV. That used to be called the MDR, a minimum daily requirement, or the RDA, the recommended daily allowance. They change it once in a while just for fun. I guess somebody in the government gets a gets a grant to change it. You know, it's def- mm, I'll slow down. <laughs> the definition. Sorry. I'm from Brooklyn. I talk fast. Okay, the definition of the MDR, RDA, or percent DV is how much of a vitamin you need so you don't get a disease. For example, how much vitamin C do you need so you do not get scurvy? Okay, the answer is 60 milligrams a day. 60 milligrams a day of vitamin C is bupkis. Okay, we need 6,000 milligrams a day. Okay, how much vitamin B1 do you need so you don't get beriberi? Personally, I've never seen a case of beriberi, but I just like saying it because it sounds cool. All right, but you need a certain, I think it's 1.5 milligrams. Okay, when you see 100% of the DV, of the daily value, you're getting 60 milligrams of vitamin C. You're not getting anything. You're getting 1.5 milligrams of thiamine or B1. Then they get down to the B12, and you get 1,667%. And you think, oh, how nice, they're giving me a lot of B12. No, they're not. They're giving you cyanocobalamin. Okay, that's the balamin, which is the B12, the co, which is cobalt, and the cyano, which is cyanide, that is the carrier ion, that gets absorbed so poorly in the gut that they're putting a bunch of it in, hoping that just a little bit gets through the membrane. Okay, hydroxycobalamin is much better. Okay, it gets absorbed. So the 100% daily value, like you see in some of the one-a-day vitamins or some of the... um, the, the stuff that you get like in your regular pharmacies are absolutely positively worthless, okay? So how do you know what to take? Okay? Exactly. Let me you, exactly. So for, for the layperson, even, even the doctor saying, I don't, know, I don't know what to recommend to my patient, okay, it's important that you look at the lab. Now, you, you know that, I've, that uh, I do like Dr. Ben's products, okay, because I know Dr. Ben at Seeking Health, and I know what he does when he creates a product. I know the process he goes through. Okay, so he makes sure that everything that's in his product is absorbable and is in proper amounts. Solgar makes a very good product. Twin Labs. Uh, These are only a few. Um, The stuff that we have on our website, these are the questions that I put to myself uh, when we decided to put them on the website. And there's lots of great uh, companies like Allergy Research and um, Kirkman's, and they're all put good, solid vitamins out that are very, very absorbable. Okay, but, you know, uh, some of them can be really, really, really expensive. Some of them can be incomplete. So, but if you're talking absorption, the only thing you can really do is um, look at the lab or the company that's making it Okay, most and because it's in a health food store doesn't make it any better. Okay, um, there are good stuff in grocery stores, all right? Um, right. <laughs> Super Fresh or Acme or something like that. You just have to look at the brand. Um, <sighs> oh yes, organic vitamins. Thank you. I'm saying to myself, okay. what else? What did I miss? Uh, People think that whole food vitamins are kind of the best stuff out there, okay? And I didn't know this, but Ben tells me when he goes, he went to Florida to, you know, 
work with the company that was making his vitamins. They have the whole food vitamins there. They have exactly what you think, the whole foods, and they're sitting there rotting, you know, and molds are on them and stuff like that. And, like, they'll just wash that stuff up, crunch it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. And you say to yourself, gee, how, how good is that? Okay. If you don't know how it's being made, hmm. Now, sometimes people can handle the whole food vitamins because they can handle the whole foods, as, you know, the allergens that are in there. Some people can and need just the chemical ones. Okay, so it's important that you, um, you know, that you probably get the advice of a healthcare provider that knows their stuff, okay? But um, if you stay with one of the companies I just mentioned, you'll be pretty safe, Okay, you'll get good vitamins. I I used to always recommend Solgar's VM75 uh, for a generalized uh, multivitamin, multimineral because it had a good um, you know good profile and it got very well absorbed. And um, I still recommend that for people who don't have specific problems uh, and they're just looking for a good multivitamin, multimineral to take. Okay, um, did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a lot to take in. I don't. I don't mean to be like that. It's. It's unfortunately there are so many vitamins out there. Um, That's that's what the hard part is. Yeah. If you're going to go by, if you don't know the company, go by the percent daily value. Um, And if you're getting more, that's great. If you have to take eight pills, just the other little trick is be careful. Sometimes you see this great profile, but then it says you have to take eight pills to get that. <laughs> Nobody's yes, going to take eight pills a day. They end up taking one. You're taking one eighth the um, the dosage. Okay, right. so those are just little 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 tricks of the trade. Um, but uh, I hate to make an advertisement for my site, but I, I went through these vitamins and I know that they're good. <laughs> well, thank okay. you very much. I thank you. I appreciate your Have call. Have a good Bye-bye. evening. And the caller from the 217 area code. You're on the air with Dr. Armine. How are you? Hi, Dr. Armine. Um, I had a couple questions for you about, um, I was wondering, what do you think about L-glutamine and zinc carnosine? I think of them just fine. What are you, what are you using them for? <laughs> uh, for gut healing. <laughs> okay. Um, L-glutamine uh, is classically uh, wonderful for gut healing. Okay. If you're going to use it, um, most people recommend beyond, a little bit beyond seven grams a day. Um, it's got multiple functions in the gut. Uh, you'll find it in a lot of different um, products, okay? And usually those products are combined with uh, either substances that will help calm the, uh, calm the stomach down, like uh, deglycerinized licorice or stuff like that. Uh, sometimes they'll be, mar- they'll be uh, married up with uh, marshmallow root or... Um, or a slippery elm or something to help create mucus. Okay, the only problem with uh, glutamine, and you have to be careful of this, it's um, glutamine creates glutamate and GABA, those two neurotransmitters. And the mechanism, I I like to um, think of it as uh, when you get glutamine in, it either goes one of two ways. GABA calms the body down, glutamate excites the body. So it's sort of like a buffering system. That's the way I think about it, where glutamine either creates uh, glutamate or GABA. If you have a lot of dysbiosis in your gut, uh, the glutamine and you're having this particular issue, sometimes it starts creating more glutamate. 
And if you're starting to take glutamine and you're starting to get more anxiety and more excitable and more testy uh, and any kind of uh, signs of excitation, um, just remember that because you want to back off on the glutamine on the glutamine because that's what it's doing. Uh, zinc harnessing, uh, angiographis paniculata, those guys are great for helping to heal the gut cells. Okay, uh, neuroscientists have a great product that combined all those things. Okay, um, what was lacking and what is also necessary, uh, inclusive of the zinc harnessing and the angiographis paniculata and stuff like that, are the phospholipids. Okay, because the minerals there will not create the phospholipids to reestablish the phospholipid bilayer. Okay, so if you added phospholipids to that, you'd get the biggest bang for the buck, and you'd have your you'll have your um, your gut healed much better. When I talk with people, I often find that one or two parameters of gut healing have not been afforded them, either because um, they're working with a um, healthcare provider that's been trained in a different manner, or they haven't realized the significance of either the mucus layer or the um, the phospholipids. Now, we all, a lot of people use fish oils, krill oil. Those things work too, but uh, they don't necessarily create the proper phospholipids, which you can get by using lecithins, sunflower lecithin, soy lecithin, or egg lecithin. Okay, and then of course you can get things like phosphatidylcholine by itself, but uh, it kind of depends on what kind of symptoms and condition you have, whether you want to use something that's pure, that product is that pure and that concentrated. Okay. Um, yeah, because what, what confused me about those two is that um, I knew that they kind of did, it seemed like more healing of the, like you said, the gut lining or, or the layers. Um, it, they're toted as like a big acid reflux helper or like people claim that's their cure a lot of the time, one of those two things or both. And I've always wondered how that would even work. Are you talking about the zinc harnessing? Yeah, like how that would help with reflux. I'm not exactly sure how it helps with reflux, to be perfectly honest. Um, that's something I definitely have to look into. Um, I do know that um, it's healing more gut lining and more cell wall, okay? And um, a lot of acid reflux is not really an overproduction of acid that's, of course, bubbling through the sphincter. Uh, it's sometimes putrefication of the food, and what you really need is not uh, something to decrease acid, but some digestive enzymes to help digest your foods better. Okay, uh, and what would be the indicator for that? If you're using H2 inhibitors like Prilosec and those guys, okay, and it's not helping, uh, and you're using a combination of things for acid reflux, and you're still suffering from it, okay, one of the things you have to ask yourself is, am I treating the right thing? Right. Okay, and one of the things you can try and, and is um, you can try vegetable-based um, digestive enzymes. Okay, they're usually very, very safe, and you can build up the amount. Uh, some people like to use betaine hydrochloride, which is uh, something that, build, that gives you hydrochloric acid real fast. Uh, there's a couple of products out there that have ox bile in them. Very often, uh, the acid reflux is a difficulty in breaking down fats, so a good um, generalized 
uh, digestive enzyme with ox bile, and I know that now makes one called super enzymes, okay, that uh, I tend to use a lot because it has not a ton of ox bile in it, but enough that it can make a difference. Uh, you're kind of handling all parameters of digestion there. And uh, when people start saying, hey, I'm feeling better with these, with these digestive enzymes, then I know that I'm barking off the right tree. Okay, but my indicator is when you have to understand the, the type of person I see. The, the population that I tend to uh, consult with are those people who have been here and there and up and down, and they've seen a lot of different practitioners, and they're still suffering. So I'm the guy that, has, that gives everything a fresh look, and I start looking for different indicators that the wrong things are being treated or the right things are being treated in the wrong way. Okay, and if you're still having a lot of uh, acid reflux and you've had all the testing and they've done the, um, they've done the scope and you don't have, you know, anything horrible down there and you, and you know you don't have H. pylori or any of the other nasty um, microorganisms that would keep it going and the medicines aren't working, it's time to try the opposite end, okay, by adding enzymes, adding um, acids and stuff. And uh, always remember what Sherlock Holmes said. When you rule out the impossible, whatever's left, however improbable, must be the truth. Okay, thank you. And one quick question. Um, I might have missed this on the last question, I think it was, um, about the vitamins. Sure. How is it best um, absorbed to take uh, magnesium? I'm sorry, say again, please. How is uh, magnesium best absorbed? Uh, the best way to absorb any kind of minerals, okay, is in an amino acid chelate, okay? Now, uh, minerals are usually married up to some uh, ion, okay, because you can't just swallow magnesium. You, your, your mouth would explode, okay? Uh, so it has to be magnesium something, like magnesium glycinate, magnesium oxide, magnesium this. That's why you see those molecules, okay? And depending on the electronegativity of the ions, you know, it, it, that kind of just depends on how hard they hold on to it. So uh, as a general rule, if you marry up the minerals with amino acids and you drop them into hydrochloric acid that is made to pull amino acids apart so they can be used for proteins, you're going to get a really, really good uh, release of the ions, magnesium, calcium, whatever it is, and it can be made available for absorption. Okay, some people talk about uh, magnesium oxide, magnesium citrate. Uh, there's loads of different magnesiums out there. Uh, some of them will um, stimulate the bowels real good, so you have to be careful. Okay, and, uh, but my best suggestion for any kind of mineral is to use an amino acid chelate. They have multiple ones, but for magnesium, it's magnesium glycinate. Okay, thank you very much. You're most welcome. Thank you for calling. Thanks. So, people, um, this has been a really great night. People are just uh, asking wonderful questions. I did have a question on the... Um, on the chat about uh, doing a show about OI and POTS, o OI being uh, orthostatic uh, intolerance and um, postural orthostatic um, tachycardia syndrome. I, I would love to do uh, a show like that. And uh, let me tell you that uh, these conditions are under the auspices of dysautonomias, 
which means that the autonomic nervous system is not working well, and in my opinion are always secondary to chronic inflammation. So again, one of the things, and I keep harping on it, but you'll see it in the medical literature like crazy, everybody's talking inflammation now. The only reason I get upset about it is I've been talking about it for years, and they're just talking about it now like it's something new. Okay, but that's that's my problem, okay? But um, yeah, I would really like to do a show, and I think if there is a group that would like that has a representative that they would like me to interview, they should contact me because um, just like we did with the mitochondrial uh, disease uh, group and with uh, pandas and so forth, this is becoming more prevalent. Okay, and if we start getting after it and we start looking at it for what it is, we can start turning it around because POTS and OI and all these various dysautonomic uh, syndromes are being treated as if they are diagnoses in and of themselves, and they're not. They're secondary to something. It's like calling chronic fatigue a diagnosis. That's not a diagnosis. What that is is a collection of symptoms, okay, that have one or two or more root causes that can be, in fact, cured, and then you would cure the chronic fatigue. Okay, it just takes looking, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I would love to do, I'd love to do a show like that. Uh, while we have a little bit of time left, uh, I'd like to let everybody know again that uh, we're going to be starting to do new things in our office. Uh, Dr. Karshuba will be joining us in, uh, on May 6th, and uh, she's an anti-aging doctor. She's a holistic physician. Uh, she'll be uh, working with people uh, prescribing the nutritional IVs, uh, which means uh, the high-dose vitamin C um, type IVs that, or the NADs. These things are good for phloxies, for anti-aging, uh, for um, skin tone, for improving the immune system function, and rebooting the mitochondria. Uh, anybody who wants to see Dr. Karshuba okay. can call can call um, our office and talk to Meg, and she will schedule a consultation with Dr. Karshuba, and then uh, we can schedule uh, the intravenous therapy, which we are all set up and ready to go. So allow me to see who this next caller is. And the caller in the 661 area code. Hi, this is Dr. Armine. How are you? Hello, Dr. Jess. How are you? This is Renee. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I'm just calling to get a quick question answered. To say hi. What is the <laughs> hi? Hi, everybody. What's the best thing for me to do um, on a daily, immediate basis to get my adrenals feeling a little better? Is the lemon and salt and potassium really the drink I need, or is there some magic bottle I can take every day? Well, would to God that there was a magic bottle. Okay. <laughs> And I'm I don't glad mean that you, I'm, I don't that, mean the booth. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm I'm giggling because you don't know how many times a week I I, I get that request. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it all depends on um, what is going on with the adrenals and if they're in fatigue. Uh, generally speaking, um, if the adrenals are really really bad, that's when you need um, you need a, you know electrolytes. Uh, and you need water and stuff like that. But that's really like towards Addison's disease, you know? That's really when it's like super bad. Uh, a lot of times uh, the adrenals will be handled by taking herbs like ashwagandha or holy basil. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, mind you, we're assuming that it is the adrenals. That's, that is the sole problem, 
Okay. Uh, and um, a lot of for sure. I'll know that. Oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not d- disputing you. I'm just um, for the for the audience in general. Um, right. You know, you always I always put that caveat in that to make sure that this is what you're talking about. Some of the okay. easiest and best things to do on an immediate basis for um, for the adrenals, in my estimation, is vitamin B5, which is panathenic acid, like 500 okay. milligrams twice a day. Uh, believe it or not, vitamin C, which I know I'm always harping on vitamin C, but large doses of liposomal vitamin C, but vitamin because you'll get it absorbed completely. Okay, okay. Uh, the liposomal vitamin C. If you can get it up to six to ten grams a day, you're going to get good results quickly. Okay. Okay, and right. a lot of different areas. Okay, and um, you can use. Uh, you can start with. I think it's good to start with. Uh, you know, the herbs because they're gentle and they work. And the herbs are usually ashwagandha or uh, holy basil, uh, and uh, those are two real good ones. And um, understand that your adrenals are run by your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or the HPA axis, that coexists with the HPT axis for thyroid and HPG axis for gonad or sex hormones. So lots of times, if you're having adrenal problems, you may be having, you're almost always having concurrent thyroid problems, and you might be having subclinical hypothyroidism, which may be adding to the symptoms or may be the main reason for the symptoms. And then, of course, you may be having hormonal imbalances also. But um, if you're looking for something safe, something that has a higher probability of uh, giving you good improvement in the short term, uh, my recommendation would be the B5, which you can get anywhere. At, uh, at 500 milligrams, great. And then the liposomal vitamin C, uh, you start you got at... You started on that one. Yes, I have that There you that go. Too. And just start working okay. it up, okay, till you get okay. to that 6 to 10 grams a day and a little bit of ashwagandha. And guess what? You're going to start seeing very quickly, like within a few days, a week, you start feeling a lot better. Oh, fabulous. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. Thanks a lot for calling. Thank you for Talk all you do, doctor. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So uh, we were talking about um, Dr. Karshuba, so we're going to be increasing the things we can do for everybody in our office, okay? And I'm really excited about that because uh, I think that there are many uh, avenues to healing. Uh, Personally, I'm going to be taking uh, training in live blood analysis and, um, um, hold on, I got it right here. Oh. That's it. It's called field control theory, field control therapy, okay, which involves a bunch of different things. And I found, or one of my Floxy uh, patients who is, um, who I have great respect for, was telling me about bioresonance testing and um, and the live blood analysis. And I started looking into it, and I'm like, hmm, this will give us loads of more information, okay, and. Um, uh, Dr. I can't pronounce his name. Yardowski. Uh I'm going to be working with him, I believe. Uh, and if I can pronounce his name, will probably let me work with him. That's besides the point. Anyway, so things are getting better. Things are getting more advanced. And um, as you know, Dr. Ben is, um, you know, continuing with his courses. Uh, Sterling Hill and um, 
her group would continue her, their research, okay? And um, I think if we continue along this matter, chronic diseases will be a thing of the past at some point, okay? Especially if we start looking at them as not being chronic and being permanent, okay? If we look at them for what they are as being long-term inflammation and we say to ourselves, hey, let's knock down this inflammation. Let's start not building the immune system but balancing it. Let's not, you know... Let's get the neurotransmitters balanced, not pushing them in one way or another. Okay, this uh, all is done without the use of drugs. Okay, drugs are, I'm not anti-drug, I'm anti the injudicious use of drugs. And having been a nurse and been a physician, and I've been a healthcare provider for now 38 years, like this week. Oh my gosh, I graduated in the 26th of April a long time ago. Hmm. Okay, and they're going to say, are you going to retire? I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm babbling as usual. Anyway, does anyone else have any other questions? Any commentary? Anybody want to make fun of me, which they usually do? I do. Now, of course you, will. Of course you do. You wouldn't be happy unless you did. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I wanted to mention that you, um, you set up a fabulous mix of items on the website like we talked about earlier. One thing we didn't mention is the URL for the website. Oh, please do. And I, I just thought it was really important to, you know, let people know where it was and let them browse because we also have the organic personal care items and staffs. Which are um, your stuff that you have been creating. They are. Because um, you are an herbalist, but I, nobody... But nobody knows that because they didn't say that before. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to be part of your team. I don't want to toot my own you horn here. You are part here, of my but, team. Part but, of, um, just remember, you, you know how smart somebody is by, having, by, the, by, the, by knowing the fact that he or she hires people who are smarter than them. I don't know everything. Okay, I know a lot of stuff. But when it concerns herbs in that whole area, you know a whole, whole lot more than me. So I'm not ashamed to say, well, hey, let me ask Megan. You know, I'm Megan. Meg, sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm just really excited to offer them to other people um, because, you know, I'm a floxy and I have antibiotic, you know, resistance or whatever. Plus I have the um, chemical sensitivity now and all that stuff. And it works so well for me that I started making it at home, right? And pretty soon my family started using it, and then friends started using it, and then I started selling it online. Um, so, you know, I was kind of excited to offer that in your store. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I really thing. am. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. You don't know how ecstatic <laughs> I am to have you as part of the team. And I told you that before, and I meant it. You're, you bring oh, yeah. a lot of energy and... Um, you know the the uh, the herbs. I know that you grow them yourself, and and when you Thank say you. that you do um, the uh, uh, the soaps and so forth, that they're all handmade by you. Okay, mm-hmm. so that, I make they're a perfect. Mag- for- I make a ma- magnesium oil rub for. Uh, I started with my husband because he has osteo and rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. and it helps his joints. Um, he has a bionic thumb, as it were, and that helps with that too. The pain. Um, and then I went to Arnica Sav and things like that. But without all, it, 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 they're simplified um, mm-hmm. for ease of use for people that you know get rashes or have allergies and things like that. So I just wanted this to let you great. know that I was so happy there. to offer that. Yeah, I'm and, really you know, happy that you are also. 
the, the one other thing I wanted to say before I go is um, your GI repair kit yeah. is, help, is helping me a lot. And I know I have uh, mitochondrial dysfunction and leaky cells and things like that, but this is the first time I've used something that didn't cause enough of a reaction where, you know, it's hard to function. Um, Very cool. It's it's easy on me. So I'm so glad we're offering it because I think it's important for people that are already so tired from being sick to kind of have a break while they're healing, <laughs> you know? It's true. So, and just remember, yeah. like, even on the uh, when we you know, had the show about LDN, there's no dishonor in using a Band-Aid as long as you go after the wound. No. You know, well, and if you can get everybody's inflammation or pain down, you're doing that mm-hmm. by dropping inflammation and stuff. So it's good. Well, but, but, that's, but your repair kit isn't a Band-Aid. It's really helping. No, it's a I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I ran out for three days. Um, that's my fault. And I didn't have all the pain I used to have after I ate, and I didn't have the rash. So it's obviously cool. working, you know, steadily, Oof. slowly, steadily. So it's a good thing to offer. Yeah, a lot of times the, uh, the, uh, it does take a time. It does take time to heal a gut. And we have about mm-hmm. 90 seconds left, and uh, there's only one more thing I wanted to mention is that we do have a essential oil site, okay, the Young Living Essential Oil site. And... Uh, these are therapeutic-grade essential oils. I'll be writing, um, be writing blogs about them, but I do have a happy thing to tell you. Uh, one of my friends uh, has a dog, and I'll say this really fast, has a dog that's uh, a little one that jumped off and uh, jumped off uh, uh, his bed and became paralyzed from the, uh, from the waist down, legs, his hind legs, and he herniated disc. And um, I started using the anti-inflammatory essential oils, and uh, a little bit of traction and uh, some other things, but especially the essential oils. And I heard today that he is, in fact, running around. And it's been about two weeks. Oh, okay, that's where they wonderful. were going to do an operation and they're not. People, it is wonderful. Thank you for being here. We only have a few seconds left. I really, really appreciate your attention, all your great questions. And uh, hopefully, I will see you again next week. God willing. Oi, okay. And uh, we'll have another good show. Thanks again for listening. All of you, good night. It's 10 seconds, and guess what? That's about it for tonight. <laughs> okay. It's been a long road. Good night, everybody. Getting from there. I know it's a long road. We can do this. It's been a long time. We're going to do it together. But my time is finally I can feel the change in the Right now, nothing's in my way, and I'm not gonna There's hold nothing in your way. No and as it was no, said, I'm not gonna hold me down. Roosevelt, the only